Have you guys ever heard the word kairos? It's Greek. Anybody? So kairos is defined as a lot of different ways, and Seth will put up a slide, but the opportune or decisive moment. And I kind of like the way that these people put it. The perfect, delicate, crucial moment. The fleeting rightness of time and place that creates the opportune atmosphere for action, words, or movements. It's when things line up and allow something to occur that otherwise could not have happened. Kairos is what makes jokes really funny. It's what allows pranksters to get that feeling of satisfaction. It's also what allows deep connections to be made and love to be created. Let me give you an example. So I was 21, had been going to school in Hawaii, back in the Black Hills for like three weeks, heard that a friend was having a birthday party, went up to a cabin, and lo and behold, I met a girl named Rosalind who had been back from Hawaii herself the last three weeks. Same island, different sides, all sorts of connections. Granted, that friend was her boyfriend at the time, but within three months, boom, thanks to Kairos. Kairos allows groups of people as well to create and accomplish a mission, a desired course of action that will bring about what they want to see happen. Now, this is what happened 40 years ago for a small group of Christians. Because all the pieces were there, this small group started a church in Johnson Siding that they called Rimrock. Continued to grow, has continued to change lives over the last four decades. I believe that Rimrock downtown may currently be in a Kairos moment. Now, before I elaborate on what lies in front of us, I need to lay a foundation off of which we can build. We are the church. You and me are the church. Now, according to Webster's, church has three different definitions. A building for public and especially Christian worship. The first seems to directly reflect our culture's view of church. If you were to talk to anybody about church, everyone in the conversation would assume that you were talking about a building that people gather in once, maybe twice a week for about an hour to sing songs and to listen to somebody talk. The clergy or official, officialdom, I need to find a definition of that one, of a religion. Now, the second definition reflects our culture's view of whose shoulders the responsibility of the church falls on. Most people in modern-day America innately believe that the God-given responsibilities of the church should be carried out 95% of the time by the pastor, the priest, the reverend, the clergy, the preacher, the man of the cloth, my favorite, Holy Joe. He or she is the one who should teach the Bible, care for the poor and the widows, and instruct the children. That is their job, therefore it is their responsibility. The rest of us simply have to go to church on a Saturday or a Sunday and serve at the mission once a year, maybe twice if you want to be extra holy. Check it off the list. Number three, a body or organization of religious believers. Now their third definition, fortunately, gives us a little bit better of an insight into the Bible's definition of the church. In the Hebrew of the Old Testament, in the Aramaic, and the Greek of the New, the word church is defined as an assembly or a congregation, a community of people who believe in the God of the Exodus and those who know that Jesus of Nazareth is God. 
the authors of the books of the Bible all see the church as a collection of believers, people that come together united by their common beliefs. Now, most of you know this, but Paul refers to the church as a body. Let's look at Colossians. Now, I had to kind of get the intro verse just to let you know what he was talking about. But do not let anyone disqualify you, insisting on self-embasement or worship of angels, dwelling of visions puffed up without cause by a way of human thinking. And this is what I want us to focus on. And not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows with a growth that is from God. This is his definition of the church. Holding fast to the head, that's Christ, Jesus, from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and its sinews, grows with growth that is from God. We get this again in 1 Corinthians 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, he's talking about our actual physical bodies, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member but of many. And then he talks about how there's a hand, there's a foot. Even though it doesn't seem as important as a head, it plays a crucial role. And then he ends, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. As people who believe that Jesus is God, we are united or assembled into a body. Each of us plays a unique and important role in allowing the body or the church to function the way that it was created to function. Now, Peter refers to followers of Jesus as living stones. First Peter, come to him, a living stone. Though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, that's us, let yourself be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. God is building us, Rimrock Downtown, into a spiritual house. The proper way to define and understand Rimrock Downtown is as a community of people who believe in the God of the Bible. A collection of followers of Jesus, each equipped with our own talents and desires that are unique specifically to you. But God is putting us together into a larger and more stable structure. Now, naturally, I hope you're asking the question, why? Why does he put the body together? Why does he build this church? Why is God building Rimrock downtown? First Peter 2.9 kind of gives us an answer. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There is our purpose. We are being brought together as a church so that way we can openly declare the ways that our lives have been changed by our maker the ways that he has directly stepped into our broken worlds in order to restore us, to transform us into who he created us to be. Now, Paul kind of adds to this question of why. 2 Corinthians 5. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, 
and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And for a moment, let's talk about our God-given call as individuals. If you believe that Jesus is God, that he died a sacrificial death and then was miraculously brought back to life, then you are called to be his ambassador, to be his representative to your world. You haven't been redeemed just to turn inward and enjoy a changed life. You have also been changed so that you can let people around you know about the goodness that is waiting for them as well. Now, I know this can sound intimidating. Very few of us get excited about standing on a street corner or on a stage telling people about Jesus. But each of us have a relationship with people, and each of us have stories to share. You each have relationships, and you each have stories. These relationships vary from close to distant. Friends, family, coworkers, to friends of a friend or somebody that you constantly see at the gym or maybe you always go to Qdoba and see that kid with the super shaggy hair that you wonder why he doesn't wear a hairnet, right? <laughs> These are relationships. And I have found that the relationships are networks with which we live our lives. They are the support systems that allow us to build our lives and they are the safety nets that catch us when things get hard. In other words, relationships are at the foundation of every one of our lives because they are an essential part of us living the life we want to live. And it's through these relationships that stories can be shared. Every single one of you has stories that are worth sharing. Times in which you experience both good and bad things, and from those experiences, you have learned lessons that are worth sharing so that way other people lives can be made better. Now, the fact that you're sitting in a church, definition number one, right? I believe that you must have a story or two like Chris's. That's what we watched 10, 15 minutes ago. A time when the God of the Bible stepped into your life. It may seem commonplace or it may be profound. Whoa, zooming way in. So here's a little side note. Do you know why I always read? So that way you can hear the message that I feel God wants you to give. If I just had bullet points, we would be all over the place. And I'd be telling you far more stories about myself than what I think God wants you to hear. Anyway, back to where we're at. You all have these stories in which the creator of everything directly stepped into your world and your life got better. Now, it's easy to dismiss these testimonies. But the Bible gives us a better perspective of the power of your story. Revelation 12. Now, in Revelation 12, there is a dragon that sweeps down a third of the stars, right? It's Satan battling against God, and he takes a third of the angels with him. Michael, the archangel, steps up and fights and defeats the devil. But then Satan is cast down to the earth in which he's roaming. But it says that he will be conquered. But they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the, the word of their testimony. You see this. What is the blood of the lamb referring to? Jesus dying on the cross. And by the word of your testimony. You see the power of your story. 
It's through the relationships that you have that you can share these stories. Relationships are what allow you to be the ambassador of Christ, to proclaim the works of the one who called you out of darkness into his glorious light. And by sharing these stories, more lives can be changed. By telling people about the reality of God and the way that he stepped into your brokenness, more people have the chance to discover how good our creator is and how important of an ingredient he is to the life that we all want to have, you, me, everybody in this city. And I've found that relationships create natural avenues for conversations to take place. It doesn't mean that they will always be easy, but when you have a direct connection to a person you're talking with, they usually have a desire to listen and comprehend and think through what you're saying. Now, I know as individuals we can only do so much. We are busy. We have a limited number of relationships and only a few stories. Personally, you and I cannot change our worlds alone. That is why the almighty maker of heaven and earth is building this church. That is why God is bringing us together. There is so much power in numbers. Now, gathering on a Saturday night brings together an abundance of personalities and energies and testimonies. But unfortunately, the standard approach doesn't seem to be working in 21st century America. How many of you guys like graphs? Let's see some graphs. I knew you would like it, Seth. So this is looking at Gallup's poll. So 1998, 2000, right? We're looking at about a 20-year span. So what I want you to focus in on is the light green, the bright green, the 19%. So we went from 8% with no religion to 19% of people claim to have no religion in a 20-year span. Let's go to the next one. So breaking down generations, um, kind of how things have changed. This is 2016 to 18, so fairly recent. 68% of millennials say, I have a religion that I am a part of. Almost 30% are saying they have no affiliation with any religion. We live in a post-Christian society. And if you look at the change over the last 20 years between all these generations, they are all decreasing. What's interesting is of those 68% of the millennials, only 57% claim to have church membership. So that's 57% of that 68. So what is that? Like 35, 40% of people that are 40 and younger belong to a church. Now it seems by these numbers as well as my own observation that people in our culture, especially those 40 and younger, are finding less and less interest in coming to a traditional church setting. It doesn't mean that they don't need the God of the Bible and they truly want their lives to be made better. They just no longer function in the same way that our parents and our grandparents used to. That is why we must go to them. This is what the God of the Bible has done since the beginning of time. Through the entire Bible, you see God engaging with humanity where they are at. Remember, we are called to be his ambassadors, his representatives. To do this, we must be willing to step out of our traditional church cocoons. This place is comfortable. To, be, to not be content with our culture's definition of a church. Instead of seeing your duty as a follower of Christ to simply come to a place surrounded by your friends one hour a week, we need to be willing to step out of our comfort zones and into people's brokenness. And we need to do this together. 
Now, there are so many different ways to do this. But over the last two years, God has been putting an idea in my brain for Rimrock Downtown. Like I mentioned earlier, we are all the church, and relationships are the natural avenue through which we can share our stories about when the God of the Bible changed our lives. What if we use our interests, our hobbies, our passions to create relationships with people so that someday we may be able to tell them our stories? Whether you're into hunting or knitting, climbing rocks or Pokemon, biking or fine art, music or football, God designed you with, a natural, with natural inclinations towards certain types of hobbies and passions. These activities or things are such an easy way to connect with people outside of your normal world. The things that you both love are like bonding agents that bring people together. Through these relationships, you may gain the privileged position to tell somebody outside your inner circles your stories about the God of the Bible. Seems like it's time for a story. Now, instead of sharing one of mine, I'm going to ask Derek to come up. So I'm not going to read this. I'm going to freestyle it. Uh, But yeah, share a couple stories with you guys. Um, So Evan's definitely right. Like we are longing for relationships. We're longing for connection points with people. Uh, So this is why when we meet new people, the first thing we do is we, you know, we try to find something in common. Like, you know, you're from Denver. Oh, like I drove through Denver one time. My my sister had a friend that like we're like we're like pulling stuff out just to make a connection with people. Right. Um, so for me, I'm super passionate about, well, several things, Jesus for one, my family, good burritos, skateboarding, mostly skateboarding. And that's kind of what I want to share with you guys about. Like I've been, I've been skateboarding for like 25 years and I've been running a skate ministry for like 15 years. And so through that, I've had the opportunity to just connect with people because of a shared passion and interest. And, um, the first story that popped into my mind when Evan asked me to share a story about how skateboarding can kind of uh, build these relationships is a kid named uh, Devin. So Devin I met when he was 18. I met him at the local skate park. Uh, long hair, beanie on, piercings, fully tattooed, really kind of aggressive, dark-looking tattoos. And... Uh, we were at the skate park just hanging out before Skate Church, which was a, uh, a weekly Bible study we did at my house where we would feed skaters and then have a, you know, have a message for them. So I meet Devin, and we start skating, and then we start talking tattoos because I also happen to like tattoos. So instantly we have this, like, really deep connection, and I invite this kid uh, back to our house to have Skate Church, which, um, you know, it was still growing at that time, but um, people were showing up, and uh, he ended up coming. Sounds kind of weird, but he ended up coming, and he was curious. He was like, what is this about? But we had built up, a, like, a bond between, uh, you know, with skateboarding and, and other things that he was willing to come listen to me talk about Jesus. And so he ends up coming, and then he comes back, and he comes every week. He becomes a regular, and he's not just showing up for the free pizza like some kids would, uh, which is fine. Uh, he, he was coming and asking very deep questions. And so through this process... Uh, Devin gets saved. He gives his life to the Lord. Um, he starts bringing his girlfriend to skate church, which there's not a lot of girls that skateboard and, and even would come to this, but she starts coming. Uh, she gets saved, which is pretty rad. 
And then after a year or so, Devin asked if we would baptize him. And, like, that's a really bold step, you know, especially for, like, a punk rock skateboarder to say, I want to get baptized in front of a bunch of people that I don't know. He asked to do it at our local church at the time because, I don't know, it would have been hard to baptize somebody in our basement. But uh, so we, we, we go to our local church, and we're like, yeah, this kid wants to get baptized. He gave his life to the Lord. And so at the time, we were meeting this very traditional Baptist church that had, like, the, the tub in the corner. You know what I'm talking about? Um, and we... Man, it was awesome. We baptized this kid, and his life was forever changed. Uh, fast forward, they're married now, uh, two kids, and just just a rad story of seeing this guy's life just totally change. And it was all because we, we met at a skate park, and God connected us, and then God just started slowly working on this dude to change his life. Um, so another story is a kid named Josiah. Josiah started coming around uh, just appeared in my life, I guess, when he was like 13. Just, I don't even know. He just was there all of a sudden. I think he got invited to skate church by some other friends. So every week he just started coming. And um, he was what we would call a skate rat. Like that's all he thought about, all he did, all he cared about. He convinced his parents to uh, let him do online school so we could graduate early so we could just skate, skate, skate. Uh, so super passionate about that. So obviously we clicked pretty good. And ended up taking this kid all around the country on mission trips and skate trips. And he was a really good, talented skateboarder. Sponsored already. And he could have definitely pursued a kind of a, a career in skateboarding. But as he grew and matured, um, he decided, like, life wasn't just about skateboarding. And Jesus was more important. So this kid decided when he was probably 18, he would move across the world and go to a foreign country, a closed country, and share with, with people about Jesus. And he started learning a very difficult language, and he's become fluent in it to continue to do this. And so it's just been amazing to see how God will connect people with a common passion, transform their lives, and then who knows what's going to happen from there. And so I, I have, I could tell you story after story, but uh, those are the, the first two that kind of popped into my head about how rad it is that God would use people and passions to spread his gospel. So that's what I got. Thanks, Derek. We are the church. All right, so I want to end where I started, this idea of kairos. Over the last year, God has brought some seriously devout families into Rimrock downtown. People who genuinely love God and know the value of church. Some of these people have committed to being a part of the downtown's leadership team. We are no longer a ragtag collection of a preacher and a couple musicians. Instead, we have a far more developed team that wants to do this well. Alongside this group, we have more and more people that desire and are willing to be invested in this community. In the past year, the financial support for this church has grown exponentially. Not only does this allow Rimrock downtown to function as its own campus instead of it spoiled, being a spoiled younger sister, it also shows, even more so, the level of people's commitment to this community. Like Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. We've also seen the level of commitment increase steadily in people. Over the past two years, our attendance has grown to the point that we are now in need of a new space. 
Legally, we can only pack so many dozens of children into a hallway. In terms of comfort zones, very few of us like feeling like sardines. Even fewer like to sit in the front row. All of this to say we are in an opportune moment. In my opinion, two options lay in front of us. Continue to grow our community in a traditional way. Get a bigger church building so that way our once-a-week gatherings can operate more smoothly. Or, going back to the groundwork that we just laid about the Bible's definition of a church, we get a new building that allows us to have a multi-purpose facility. A place where not only we still do church in a traditional manner, but one that also houses our hobbies and passions so that we can create relationships with new people with a deeper desire to tell them stories about the redeeming God of the Bible. A place built on a culture that we are the church, that we are called to be as ambassadors. A place that brings the God of the Bible to unchurched people through whatever you are passionate about. A shared love of music, therefore concerts come. Or biking and climbing, therefore film festivals come. Or little kids running around having fun so mom gatherings happen or yoga, or hunting, or whatever you're passionate about. There's as many ideas as there are people in this room. Another one is skateboarding through a skate park. A year ago, Derek and Shelby joined this community. They left a thriving skate park ministry in Colorado Springs because they felt God calling them to bring another one to Rapid City. Over the past 12 months, we've developed a collective vision. Catch this. What if their ministry, it's called Process Skate Ministry, shared a facility with Rimrock Downtown? What if we developed a building so that it could be what we both need, a bigger church that operates in a non-traditional manner and a skate park that is used to tell people about Jesus? Now, if this is the first time you've heard this, I know it can sound weird to the point of a little crazy. But the more that we, a lot of people, have thought about this, the more it makes sense. The more that we have prayed this through, the stronger our desires to make it happen become. Every day, literally every day, I ask God to take this passion away or to pour gasoline on it. In the past two months, I have developed a burning desire for Rimrock Downtown to approach our God-giving call in a unique and out-of-the-church-box sort of way. I presented this idea to the Rimrock with downtown leadership on Sunday and to the Rimrock's general ministry board on Tuesday. Both groups want to walk forward to see if this is what God wants us to do. Both want to seriously seek God to see if this is his will. And this is why I tell you, you are as much a part of this church as I am. Please think and pray about this style of approach. Please think and pray about whether or not God wants this to happen. Please think and pray about whether or not God is calling you to be directly involved with this Kairos moment. Once Christmas is over, we're going to spend a lot more time unpacking this approach so that way you can understand it more fully. But now is the time to seek God to see if this is his will for Rimrock Downtown. The musicians come up. Let's finish with a song just praising the one that made us.
I'll lead us in a little style of collective prayer. God, oh, you, we are your church. We have been brought together by you so that way we can share the stories of you changing our lives. I just ask in front of everybody, with everybody, is this what you want us to do? Do you want us to move into a culture that is far different than our parents' and our grandparents' culture in a unique way so that way we can build these relationships? I want nothing of this if it's not from you. Please stir within our minds, our emotions, our heart in order to clarify whether or not this is from you. And if it is, God, empower us. Light us on fire to bring you glory.